Hey. Hey, you. Did you know that the first Twilight film in the franchise is the only one to not receive a Razzie Award nomination? Did you know that Daniel Radcliffe was said to have broken over 80 wands during the filming of the entire Harry Potter series as he used to use them as drumsticks? Did you know that we have a Patreon? (laughs) Well, check it out. You can find it in the links inside the episode descriptions or at our official website. It's a great way to support the show and even get yourselves shouted out at the end of every month. It really helps us out, and we are eternally grateful to each and every one of you that supports us. But for now, honestly, I really hope you just enjoy this episode. Alright, so we've got... Let's see, I've got beer. I've got my notes. Zuko's been fed. Uh, Circus animal cookies, that's what I need. Um, Everybody else... Oh, that's right. It's just me. everybody what is happening this is gonna be a really weird episode it's just me i'm i'm just flying the ship solo this week um some scheduling conflicts cost uh me my guest um and not really i and andrew was supposed to be here with me but he is working really really hard on his finals and i don't want to interrupt him with anything so i am running the show by myself um this is the last week i believe i gotta go back and check my schedule but this is the last week that we will be without Lindsay. um she has been moving into her incredible new apartment that i love every minute of she like anytime she sends me something about this apartment it's fucking amazing i love it so much it looks so cool and she is so happy to be there and I miss her so much, and I know you guys do too, but you know what? She's not here, and I'm running the show, and I'm doing something that I wanted to do back in 1984 that I never got to do that kind of somehow totally immediately worked out because we just finished 1985 with Toy Story, and now um, we're we're doing this. Uh, what is this, you're asking? Well, that's an excellent question, disembodied voice. I, Scott, your beloved host and America's sweetheart, will be taking us on a tour of the Heisei era of Godzilla. I'll let you guys wait a minute, you know, clap, cheer, light off a firework inside your car. I get it. Whatever. You know, everybody, everybody gets excited in their own way, but yeah, it's uh, this is a big deal to me. Um, and I didn't want to force Lindsay to do this. So this really did kind of work out. Um, this is really just going to be me for probably about 45 minutes telling you guys all about how awesome the era of Godzilla that I grew up in was, um, while also kind of throwing shade at the Showa era of Godzilla, which was 1954 to 1979. But here we are. Yeah, um, this the show will run basically the exact same way that the show has always run. I'm still going to do like the breakdown and everything like that. Um, there's not going to be a timeline jump just because I'm covering. This is more like a special episode. 
Um, so this isn't really going to have, this is going to be jumping all over the place from 1984 to 1995. So, um, we won't be doing that, but I will be covering a lot of like the smaller stuff, like, uh, where you guys can find this, um, you know, like how we got started, a lot of the historical stuff that come, come, uh, you know, came along with Godzilla and all that stuff. But yeah, so we're, we're going to get started. Um, yeah, there's no training wheels, you know, there's no hand hand holding. Um, this is my very own sinking burning ship to command today. We got a, we got a lot to cover, man. I'm being, if I'm being real with you guys, we got a, we got a ton of shit to cover. So we're just gonna, we're going to jump right into it. Um, like I said, I'm going to be covering all seven films in the Heisei era in some way, shape or form, starting with 1984's The Return of Godzilla and ending in 1995 with Godzilla versus Destroya. Um, this is commonly known in Japan as the versus era. Um, it's called the Heisei era more so over here. Um, but if anybody, if you talk to anybody who's a big, uh, Godzilla fan, they'll either call it, uh, the versus era or the Heisei era. There's really no right or wrong answer. It's really just kind of what everybody calls it. You guys got to remember too, Godzilla has been missing for about five years at this point, And he, uh, not missing, but like people are kind of like done with the Showa era of Godzilla, everything that predated the versus era is a lot of really goofy shit. You got uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, Godzilla versus Gigan, uh, Godzilla versus Megalon, the original arrival of King Ghidorah, um, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, the Terror of Titanosaurus, stuff like that. Um, and a lot of it is just like a big nonsensical goofy mashup of giant monsters that fight in inexplicably huge fields and mountain ranges. Godzilla can do like drop kicks while sliding on his tail. He does like victory dances. He doesn't look in any way, shape or form imposing like at all. He's not threatening looking in any way. He has this disgusting ET looking motherfucker of a son. That's for some reason, human size Um, at some points. And then other times he's like the size of what you would think Godzilla's child should be. Yeah. You know, like the size of like, a six story building or some shit. I grew up. Well, let before I go into that, let's hold on. Um, one of the things that is really difficult about doing an episode like this is that, um, the, these movies are really difficult to find if you don't own them on like Blu-ray or, um, you know, like have them on a DVD box set or something like that. Um, it is an incredibly difficult question to answer about like where to find these or like where to stream these because several of these are not actually available anywhere to stream. Um, so starting in 1984, we have the return of Godzilla, which is available to stream on an, on the anime service high dive Godzilla versus Biolante is out of print, likely due to licensing issues with Toho. Um, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is available to rent on direct TV Godzilla versus Mothra or Godzilla uh, Godzilla Battle for Earth is not available anywhere. Uh, and then the last f- three uh, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla Two, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and Godzilla versus Destroya are available to rent widely on services like Vudu, YouTube, Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Um, so they are they can be found in certain spots. <clears throat> but if you were looking to watch the entire Heisei uh, 
the entire uh, versus era, it's you're gonna have a bad time. Um, you're probably better if you like really love Godzilla that much. You're probably better off buying like the Blu-ray box set somewhere, and I'm sure I could find it on Amazon. But it's in my wildest estimation, I'm sure it's ex- like sixty dollars or some shit. I don't know. I kind of want to look it up right now. I'm totally doing it. <laughs> There's no rules. There's no one here. Oh my god! I can do whatever I want. I'm not even wearing shoes right now. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So okay. 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 Um, you can buy them in two parts. Blu-ray. You can get Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two and Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, arguably the best. Um, on Blu-ray is a combo pack, and then you can get like Godzilla versus Destroya and then Godzilla versus Mechagirus, the G Annihilation strategy. Which I seriously don't get why Megagirus is included in this because that's the Millennium Godzilla. But whatever, I digest. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was so not important, and I'm leaving all of that in because you guys are taking this ride with me. And you know what? Again, there's no rules. There's no one here to rein me in. This is such a bad idea. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started with where this got started. Um, We're just going to jump right into the notes. Like I said, guys, this is going to be very similar to uh, the episodes, but this is a special. Um, This isn't an actual timeline episode. We're sort of Miss Minutes and I are kind of short of jumping all over the place tonight. Um, But yeah, so get started. We begin our tale as many a story often does at the beginning. Jesus Christ. I am so funny. Anyway. The year is 1954. Toho Studios, amidst filming their equally infamous film Seven Samurai, begins production on a new type of movie, a spectacle for children and adults the world over, many said. The birth of the kaiju phenomenon, the now commonplace term used for giant monsters etymologically taken from the Japanese word kaiju, meaning strange beast. Godzilla emerged as the heavy-hitting king of monsters after 1933's King Kong became all but forgotten in the wake of Godzilla's immediate rapturous rise to power um, and was immediately forgotten. More so, like, it, what everybody remembered it, but they kind of compared it to 1954's Godzilla and how much better it looked and was a direct result of His Majesty's magnificent stature and awesome power. <sighs> Wondrous. The original Godzilla follows the tale of U.S. hydrogen testing, waking a monstrous force of nature below the ocean, though many tales since have spun different origins of the Mad King himself, some of mutation and some of man-made testing. But one thing remains Godzilla himself. A one-being wrecking crew of natural disaster-level proportions, Godzilla's true power comes simply from what he represents. Following the dual nuclear bombings of Japan by the U.S. in the waning years of World War II, as well as the story of the Lucky Dragon V, Godzilla's conception rose as the horrors of nuclear power and the disastrous monstrosity its capabilities wrought on Japan and its people. It's no short sell to say that the age-old debate of whether Godzilla is good or bad was never a question in his early years, as he was immediately seen as the magnanimous representation of everything destruction had wrought upon the island nation. Many years ago, some would say 30, I spent the night at my Aunt Jamie's house, uh, where she housed several of the films that would go on to shape my very childhood, including Muppet Christmas Carol, The Little Mermaid, and a particular monster flick called Godzilla. She did actually also have the 1933 King Kong, which I remember watching quite often, but not as often as 
um, like the Godzilla movies. And I can't for the life of me recall which one she owned. I'm willing to bet that it was Godzilla versus Mothra. If I'm being totally honest, just because that seems like the kind of movie or that's the kind of one that she would like be into. Uh, and from then I was hooked by the time 1995 rolled around, I had become obsessed. I mean, I knew all of his greatest battles where I remembered all of his foes and yearned to see a movie where Biolante even returned in her incredible ultimate form one more time, but I never got it. Godzilla to me represented my longing for great power in cool looking packages from a very early age space. Godzilla, you sexy motherfucker. Anyway, that's basically where we started. Now, how did we, how did we evolve? Well, that's a great question. Again, disembodied voice. Let's break it down for the era, shall we? In order to set the stage properly, we do need to remember where Godzilla went before this. Um, after his demise at the hands of oxygen, uh, the hands of the oxygen destroyer, thanks to Dr. Sarazawa in the 1954 film, which is the only Godzilla film to show him actually dying. A new era of films began and was called the Showa era. Though 1954s is technically part of this and continued from 54 to 75 within this time, we were introduced to a more comical, less like tyrannical terrifying version of the king himself though weirdly like none less powerful i guess i don't know i don't really know how you would like describe that he he still rampages he still destroys tokyo and giant temples for no reason and he still fucking comes out of the ocean like a boss it's just like you watch these movies and you're just kind of like, none of this is like this. None of this is imposing. Like, holy shit. If I saw this, I'd just be like, wow, dude, that is that is some stupid looking shit. I think we deserve to die if something this dumb looking is like able to kill. You know what it is? He has jowls. I think that's what bothers me in nine, in the in the show era of Godzilla. He has big, round, stupid eyes um, that look like someone just dilated them and I know it's like a restriction of the time or whatever, but like his atomic breath just looks like cotton candy smoke. It's just like, and I just like, I don't know. I just, I can't stand it. Like they even made the beams that the original Mechagodzilla shot who has dad bod, by the way, if nobody remembers that the original Mechagodzilla's design, he is full on dad bodzilla. Like look that shit up. It's so funny. Uh, but they at least made it so like when he shoots his eye beams, it's like a rainbow beam of solid, like legitimate directed color. But for some reason, like Godzilla's beams just looked like really bad. I don't I, I don't know. Right, that's me nitpicking. And again, there's no rules. So I'm allowed to nitpick here. This is my fucking show today, guys. I mean, you can't even argue that the Showa era was like a complete waste of time, though, because it did introduce us to like. Angiris, Rodan, it created um, what many consider to be Godzilla's arch enemy, King Ghidorah, the golden alien of destruction, as it were. And as I said before, this is also where we met Godzilla's son, whose name is actually Manila, M-I-N-I-L-L-A. Uh, and he was first introduced in a movie called All Monsters Attack, which was aimed more at children than adults. We also met Godzilla's like secondary antagonist or arch enemy Mechagodzilla 
because he does come back. I think about now, I think Mechagodzilla's had just about as much screen time as King Ghidorah. I think maybe like one or two movies less. Um, and Earth's guardian spirit Mothra in the show, a timeline. She first had her own movie or many would call it like, it's the only time that if Mothra's involved, usually Godzilla loses unless he's teamed up with her. Show is considered by many fans to be the most forgettable of Godzilla's history as he has played more as a hero and a goofball than a towering threat to all mankind. Um, in fact, hardly a committed fan of his highness struggles to recall a tail sliding dropkick or a time Godzilla hit him with a gritty after bowling a rock at King Ghidorah. I'm not kidding you guys. Like he literally rolls a giant ass boulder at King Ghidorah. It trips him. And then Godzilla just fucking like slaps him with a Fortnite emote. It's insane. It's it's oh my God damn it. Um, yeah. Naturally, with this goofiness, though, like Toho longed to return to a time where they could not only redesign Godzilla's overlook or like overall look, but make him like more of like a legitimate earthwide threat that he was meant to be. So enter the Heisei era, starting in 1984's Return of Godzilla, which heralds in not only a literally a complete overhaul of Big G's design, but of his intentions and purpose. No longer a comical anti-hero, Godzilla is now seen as a massive force of nature akin to a nuclear storm with little to no resistance plausible from any and all world militaries. Here we also get to see Godzilla more animalistic, deadly, and meaner looking than ever before. His eyes went from these weird bulbous tennis ball looking things to legitimate narrowed I'm gonna fuck you up looking eyes. This is also kind of like a weird shift in the world's attitude towards Godzilla. Like they no longer relied on state of the art or like then state of the art military machines like tanks and fighter jets and stuff like that. They still used them, but they were advancing technology in an effort to legitimately deal with him. Um, so you had things introduced like futuristic weapons of war, like the Super X, Mogira, and like the Mecha Godzilla 2, to name a few. They also had like these freezing radiation beams. They were super fucking popular in the Biolante movie in 1989. But yeah, I mean, the reason that this is called the versus era is every movie except for the first one, Return of Godzilla, is Godzilla versus someone. A, you know, he's like, he's directly fighting a singular villain or kaiju in each film where he is a threat to mankind, but whatever he's fighting is the actual immediate issue. Like Godzilla's there and it's like, fuck, but like you got to deal with the greater of two evils now. And all of, except for Godzilla battle for earth or Godzilla versus Mothra. Um, and Godzilla versus Biolante. Godzilla is technically helping mankind in some way. You can make the argument in Godzilla versus Destroyer that he's whether he's intending to or not, he is literally going to destroy the planet because he's now burning Godzilla, which means he's nuclearly overloading. That's not a real word, but I don't fucking care. Um, he's he's literally he's overloading with nuclear energy. And when he melts down, he's going to just straight up destroy the planet like that's it's you know, it's a result of his power being overloaded when he fights space Godzilla, which is a really fucking cool moment to see. And one of the main reasons that I love Godzilla versus space Godzilla. And we'll get into that in a minute, but 
you can make the argument and a lot of people do that Godzilla and the 2004, the legendary movies, the new ones starting in 2014, they make this argument that Godzilla isn't like a good guy or a bad guy. He's just an existing force of nature that is supposed to balance the world. And like, if something greater appears, he has to step up as the alpha to bring the world back into balance. And that's more or less what Godzilla destroy all or Godzilla King of the monsters is about. And then if you watch Godzilla versus Kong, you find out that he's more or less like killed all of the other Kaiju because they tried to like step up to him and shit. And he's like, no, not in this house. Um, and that's why like Kong being there is such a huge deal. But I, even when I was a kid, I always thought Godzilla was the hero, but I was also a kid and I was like, who cares that he just destroyed like half a downtown? Like who gives a literal shit about that? <laughs> you know, like who, what does it matter? He's, he destroyed the monster made of literal pollution. What the fuck do you guys want? God, no one is happy anymore. Also, a lot of the Showa era Godzilla movies involve aliens or like ancient monsters that are slumbering beneath the world, like Megalon and Titanosaurus, Gigan, King Ghidorah. It's weird, right? But I think. I also think it's weird that like they just happened like they just happen to have an alien god that was the same size as Godzilla. Like what if their alien god was only like twice the size of man and they're like, we're here to deal with Godzilla and Godzilla's just like, oh, fuck off. I just like just think obviously it has to happen for the movie to happen. But like I just I do really think that's really funny. And that was something I laughed at in Godzilla King of the Monsters when they were like Godzilla has been fighting King Ghidorah for like all time and you know like they're alphas and they've been fighting since prehistoric time or whatever and i'm like okay but like what (laughs) how how did king Ghidorah just like he landed there and he was like oh thank god like there's another thing that's like relatively my size that i can fight and subjugate and then there's other shit on the planet that i can relatively subjugate and you know they're, they're my size i just think that's really funny and i'm just nitpicking and shit but whatever Again, I digest. Um, Now, we are here to discuss the Heisei era. And then these, as I've been kind of like leading into for the last like six minutes, all of these movies only succeed because of the monsters that Godzilla fights or the the monsters that try to protect the world from Godzilla. Um, In my opinion, Heisei has easily some of the greatest villains Godzilla has ever faced in his overwhelmingly long history from the triumphant return of King Ghidorah, who eventually evolved into Mecha King Ghidorah in a weird future jump to a, a literal dark doppelganger of Mothra in her evil twin Batra to again, my personal favorite, the literal powerhouse mutant space progeny himself space Godzilla. Each of Godzilla's foes during the Heisei era nearly brought the king to his knees. Like literally each one of them just about kills him with both Mechagodzilla and the combined efforts of Mothra and a reformed Batra coming the closest. I could make the argument that Biolante sort of comes close. Like she technically poisons him and he is sort of knocked out and he just, he then just, he does kind of just get up, but I would have to say as far as like actual damage dealt, it would probably have to be Destroya and in, in a, like a close third. The only reason I'm I'm not saying it's like closer than that is because in Mechagodzilla 2, 
Mech- the very first time that Mecha Godzilla runs into Godzilla, he just fucking wrecks Godzilla. Like there's it's no contest. Like why is he even why did Godzilla even get off the fucking bus that day? It just like I don't it there's it's no shot that he's dealing with this. So while I can understand that Destroya technically Destroya kills Godzilla's son, who is now called Junior, because the Heisei era picks up immediately from where 1954's Godzilla uh, left off where another Godzilla has risen from the earth, which kind of is like what helped lead um, Godzilla versus Kong a little bit because in Godzilla versus Kong, it's re it's revealed that Godzilla's species fought Kong's species for a very, very long time. And so you're like, wow, there were Godzilla's all over the fucking place. It's fucking insane. Um, and yeah, it's like, that's, that's wacky, right? So, while you have like these man-made powerhouses like in the future mecha king good mecha king dora and then mecha godzilla the one that really kind of like lays godzilla low the quickest not the quickest but like does the most significant damage to him is probably destroya he he basically force his very existence forces Godzilla to like use up all of his power at the time. You guys got to remember too in Godzilla versus space Godzilla, which was I'll get into that one in a minute. Don't worry. Godzilla is now like pushed to his absolute limits, his nuclear core and like how he houses nuclear power is melting. It's overloading. He's going, he's literally, he's melting. He's covered in like burning containing damage. It's one of the sickest designs I've ever seen in my life. And he's like everywhere he goes, he's smoking and, you know, like, you know, it's just he just looks so sick. His his uh, radiation breath is no longer blue. It's like orange. Um, It's just it's it's so cool to see. And it's like smothered in lightning and shit. It's just it's so cool. But every time that Godzilla uses his power, it escalates this radiation overload that's going on with him. And so the the arrival of Destroya who many call the final boss of the Heisei era because it is the last thing Godzilla fights, but it's also the biggest. It's also the most dangerous. Um, it also like very nearly fucked Godzilla up. Um, yeah, it just, it's tough, man. Like I don't watching, like I could just go back and watch these fights and not, I would like not have any commentary on them just like go back and watch these like beat the living shit out of each other it's just like there's something about it's why i stood up and cheered when i was watching pacific rim because there's just something about like giant ass things rock em sock em roboting through a fucking city it's just like it's so good to see and that's why destroya i would i would genuinely i would put destroya at number three he kills godzilla's son he literally forces godzilla to melt down and then Godzilla with like as much power as he can contain within his core, like a planet destroying amount of radiation. He just unleashes on Destroya and Destroya's like, well, fuck, and then explodes. It's pretty awesome. Um, At the end, I don't know where I am right now. Like my fucking thought process is all over the place right now. I don't even remember what I was talking about like five minutes ago. I got so off the rails. Jesus Christ, Lindsay, where are you? Oh, my God. Um. Ignore everything I just said. I'm going to jump back to the notes where I think I was. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I was talking about the two that technically aren't Godzilla's. They're not the villains of the movie. So while they're technically not villains of the Heisei era, Godzilla's foes are often seen as truly evil, save for Mothra and Biollante, who sought to, they were the only two that sought to actually stop Godzilla's massive wave of destruction across Japan. Now, when it comes to villains outright, or like who are the most outright dastardly, just straight up fucking evil, dude. Without any kind of extra or expanded universe media, no one even comes close to Space Godzilla. The mutated offspring of Godzilla as a result of G-cells falling into and then back out of a black hole, Space Godzilla sought immediate destruction of everything that Godzilla was and had, starting literally with the island home he lived on and his fucking son, He was just like, fuck this dude. I want him out of my fucking park. Get him the hell out of here. Unlike the other kaiju in the era, Space Godzilla cared only for destroying all that Godzilla had and even like marginally sought to subjugate Earth. He creates this like ice palace thing inside the center of Tokyo, which is fucking lit. Um, Yeah, like. The other thing that I think is important to note here is he specifically seeks out Godzilla and targets like an emotional weakness for him, which I think lends to him being the most evil versus like Batra, who was just like the alternate force of Mothra and supposed to be like a form of chaos and only dealt with Godzilla because he got in the way or uh destroya who was like it was an alpha fight kind of thing and destroya just like in later expanded universe stuff it's revealed that destroya just fucking hates all life and wants to destroy all life on earth everywhere um but like space godzilla legitimately like went for the kneecaps first like it's literally just like such a vendetta type thing, like kind of like, fuck you, dad, because technically he is the son of Godzilla in some way. When Biolante is killed at the end of Godzilla versus Biolante, she erupts into a fuckload of spores, like golden glittering spores that fly off into space. And then at the end of Godzilla versus Mothra, when she seeks to carry Batra's remains into space, it's theorized during the Space Godzilla movie that some of Biolante's G-cells got onto Mothra's wings and then fluttered somehow into a black hole, which then got shat out of a, a white hole that mutated and formed Space Godzilla. And here we are. That's fine. I That's, you know, I'm talking about giant-ass monsters. I'm going to fucking fight the realism here. Um, But th- with that being said... Space Godzilla also holds the record for the most abilities of any carbon-based kaiju in the series. And I have to include Mecha or I have to exclude Mechagodzilla only because he is literally a walking fortress of missiles, lasers, guns, wild other shit. Like he was made to destroy Godzilla. Like it wasn't just like, oh, he's got like a tail with spikes on it. Like, you know, he has the most like insane weaponry just biologically built into him. Aside from a very altered energy breath, which is like orange spreadable lightning, uh, Space Godzilla also boasts telekinesis, telepathy, EMP aura, a corona beam, regeneration, energy conduction, and literal shielding. Like, he can use the crystals on his shoulders to make shields that are so strong it blocks Godzilla's 
fucking radiation breath. It's it's so fucking rad. It's the dopest thing I've ever seen. Not really, but like it's up there. It's really up there. The thing that I think is really cool about Space Godzilla is the EMP aura. Like just existing, he's a walking EMP. Like electronics do not function around him. And it's actually one of the reasons that the Super X2 has such a big problem dealing with. No, it's not Super X2. It's Mogira. Um, has such a problem dealing with him is because like when they try to get through the field at first, they're like, oh, shit, we're fucked. And then, you know, just like typical human fashion, Mogira was built to deal with Godzilla and there's the human element of every movie and the pilot is like, fuck you, Godzilla, you killed my wife or some shit. And then he's like, oh, I guess we're going to help him because Space Godzilla is like worse somehow. But whatever, that's super not important. Despite these armaments and like the abilities that Space Godzilla has, he didn't really come that close to killing Godzilla. When you look at the other villains that Godzilla fights during the Heisei era. I again, and I said this earlier in the episode, but it's probably gotta be Biolante. Or did I say Biolante or Destroyer? Either way, Biolante fucks him up because not only is she slashing and infecting the shit out of him, her her version of energy breath is poisoned spore energy beam directly from her big ass mouth and. It not only does it blind him, there's a scene where we literally see it burning him like it's acid. It straight up infects him like in a, with a poisonous spray that he basically falls down and dies on the beach for like a fucking minute or so. And then he's just like, well, I'm over that and gets back in the water like he recovers. And I would like to think it's because the ocean washed that shit off. Yeah, I that's the one like main issue that I have when people say that Destroya is the second large like why he is the second largest of Godzilla's adversaries behind Biolante and people do call him the final boss. He boasts probably the most potent weapon against Godzilla because it was made from the weapon that killed the original Godzilla. Godzilla shoots radiation from his mouth. Destroya shoots anti-oxygen from its mouth, which literally can destroy any and all organic forms of life. When the expanded universe stuff kind of came in and like broke down more about what all of these Kaiju could fucking do and shit. Destroyer was immediately given so much more backstory. Uh, Like personally, it was like he was classified as the most evil and malevolent of all of Godzilla's foes with many citing that he quote sought the eradication of all life everywhere, regardless of species or origin. And while I can like, I can appreciate that like addition. None of that really like comes out in the movie. It's just like a need to survive kind of thing. And like the cool, like destroy is really cool too. He's described as a demon. He's one of the largest foes Godzilla's ever fought. It's all, he's also one of the strongest foes Godzilla's ever fought. Literally picked up Godzilla with his tail and drained energy from him. It can also change its shape. It can multiply. It can create like large ass armies of itself. It's pretty fucking rad. But at the end, like he's, he's kind of dealt with, like he's frozen in midair by the super X two. Because they're all out here trying to help Godzilla. And so their plan, this is how the Heisei era comes to a close, right? So, okay. Godzilla has, every time I'm like, as I'm talking right now, I'm just picturing that meme of the guy with sunglasses talking to a really pretty girl about something that no one gives a shit about. So if that's what's happening in this episode, someone please fucking let me know. Um, 
But yeah, here we are. The end of Heisei arrived in 1995, which is what we just ended with in the timeline, which is why I thought that this was like an important time to do this. Plus, it means that I don't have to bore Lindsay with this shit in the future or ask for this to come back later. The the whole premise overall of Godzilla versus Destroyer is after his fight with Space Godzilla and the Corona Ray that came out of his crown altered Godzilla and sped up his um like nuclear core it altered his ability to regulate his radiation which started causing him to overload which then led to Godzilla like they were like holy shit dude he's going to melt down and when he melts down the radiation and nuclear fallout is going to destroy the fucking planet he's literally going to sink through the surface into the core and he's going to make everything explode everywhere and we're all going to fucking die So their whole main plan is to freeze Godzilla in a block of ice to subdue the radiation and they need to keep him at sea so that he doesn't irradiate areas of land where people are, you know, fucking living. It works out in the end, but not the way that they originally had planned. Godzilla Jr. arrives in Tokyo first and faces Destroya. Destroya literally fucking wrecks him, uh, straight up stabs him in the heart and uh, so yeah, Junior's dead. Godzilla fights, and with the help of the Super X two, defeats Destroya, and then has a meltdown. Like he, there's nothing they can do. They can't deal with it. They like accept and resign their fates. Um, and then like it's smoke, and he melts down, and he, you know, he explodes, and everybody's emotional because they're like, oh my god, like maybe Godzilla wasn't such a bad guy, and maybe the, um, you know, the adventure was. The Godzillas we met along the way, or whatever the fuck, I don't know. It ends with Junior absorbing all of that radiation into himself, which allows him to not only revive, but evolve into a fully adult Godzilla. And that's how we lead into the Millennium Era. That Godzilla is the Millennium Era Godzilla. So it's the son of Godzilla. So then you get like... Godzilla 2000, where he fights Orga, and then you get Godzilla versus Mechagirus, and Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 3, and just like all these other ones, Godzilla Final Wars. Um, so that's like it leads us into Millennium, which is a great time. Um, I'm not too caught up with the Millennium ones. I do love the 2014 The Legendary movies. I wasn't a super big fan of Godzilla versus Kong. It was good, but I preferred King of Monsters instead. Um, but let's go into a little bit of the rumor requirement because that does kind of cover most of this. And please, guys, genuinely, like for those of you who are Godzilla fans who have stuck it out with me for the last 40 minutes, please let me know if I left any of your favorite parts out. Let me know in the in on the Instagram. Let me know on Twitter. Um request something on the timeline and I will allow literally I'll go deeper into detail on one movie specifically. If you want to shit, you can even come on with me. So I'm not just talking to myself this whole fucking time. Um, but yeah, let's get into the rumor requirement. Um, and I will, I will let you guys get on with your lives. Um, so the first and most notable thing about this is that there are a total of currently 38 Godzilla films, 33 produced solely by Toho in Japan and five produced in the U S one by TriStar and four by legendary in his monsters reboot at the hands of legendary Godzilla 2014 sees the king of monsters on screen for a paltry eight minutes amidst a runtime of 123 minutes 
And this, I actually didn't know I had to look this one up. This was really cool. Godzilla has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and is one of only 18 fictional characters to earn a star out of the 2,500 plus that currently exist. Just for Lindsay, other notable fictional characters include Mickey Mouse, Snow White, Kermit the Frog, Snoopy, and Winnie the Pooh. Woody the Woodpecker's on there too, but for some reason Bugs Bunny doesn't have one. I thought that was so weird. Um, And then this last one is absolutely it's for Lindsay as well. Um, but after shooting completed in 1989 for Godzilla versus Biollante, the suit of Biollante's final form became home to several stray cats across the Toho studio lot. And they never had the heart to move it until the majority of the cats just stopped appearing. I love that. And I think that's hysterical and I cannot find a picture of that anywhere. So if someone finds one, please fucking post it on our Instagram or send it to me or post it like right in the Patreon or put it on the page. Well, I don't know, dude, just find it. Cause that shit sounds fucking hysterical. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you guys genuinely. Like, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to talk about this for the last like 45 minutes. I grew up with Godzilla. Godzilla was a huge part of my life. Um, I used to play it playing on my trampoline all the time with my buddies. We would jump off the trampoline to switch characters, jump back on to switch or to like re-engage in the fight. One of my favorite ways to come out of the water in the pool was to make my hands do the splashing like explosion thing that Godzilla does when he comes out of the water, which still to this day makes no sense why he erupts out of the water like that. I... (sighs) I got my cousin Matt into it. I got my aunt Jamie's two sons into it. I'd like to think she did. Um, But she is the one that got me into it. So this episode is really just aunt Jamie's fault. If we're kind of like being honest here, but it's been a while since we've done something that I was legitimately super fucking stoked about. That's not true. Every episode we do, I'm super stoked about Um, But something that I have a lot of knowledge about already that I get to just geek out about. So I just want to say thank you to all of you guys, everybody that's listening to the episode, everybody that joins the Patreon, everybody that uh, follows us on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for giving Lindsay and I the opportunity to talk about the things that made us who we are. Um, and to this day, continue to make us who we are and emphasize the things that we find interesting and the things that, um, you know, defined our childhood. So thank you guys so much. Um, as always, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, I do hope that you guys learned something for those of you who are Godzilla fans and maybe you didn't know a couple of the things that I talked to you about. Um, Please be sure to join us next week for Jumanji. Um, Lindsay will or should be back. If not, I will get a guest star for you. I promise. Um, But be sure to subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links for our sites and social media in the episode descriptions. If you'd like to support the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on Patreon where you can catch our special quiz show, Rewind the Timeline. Make sure to check out our website for all the timeline goodies, including our new feature, Request the Timeline. Let us know what you want to see and we'll make it happen. But until next time, guys, long live the king and stay nerdy.